from downtown, this is Tim Kitsar from NBA Jam, and you're listening to Nintendo Main Podcast. Boom shakalaka! This week on Nintendo Main, happy holidays. We're going to do our top five Christmas-related Xmas holiday winter games, part two. Part two, because tis the season to tune out your family. These memories are jingling my bells. Jingly, jingly, dingly. Hello, welcome to Nintendo Main Podcast episode, what? Question mark. This is our bonus holiday episode. So we have no number for this one. This is in a strange holiday limbo. This is our limbo bonus episode. So it won't be as long as our other episodes and it'll be a little bit more, you know, a little bit more loosey, that type of thing. We're going to. A little bit more goosey. Possibly. <laughs> Gooses. Yeah. Chris, whatever <laughs> holiday. This is, yeah, it's, it's the, we're recording this the week of Christmas. So this is our holiday special, which we do every year. And since it's been a few years since we talked about our top five Christmas stuff, I thought we were, could return to it again. We haven't done it since 2017, which was also when the Switch first launched. So it's been a while. But yeah, I thought we'd talk about different things that were related with that. Uh, I think for me, mine are going to be a little bit, Less, less, more like ones that we got, but stuff that I got around that time. So it'll be fun. Kind of like uh, Christmas-related purchases from Christmas money, or even stuff I got before Christmas. Yeah, my stuff's kind of like just either I got it for Christmas or I was playing it on Christmas. Is kind of what I went for. Yeah. So like, if I had a memory of playing a game with a family member or something, I was surprised. I was really having a hard time remembering like. What games I got pre N sixty four for Christmas? That was really a struggle trying to remember how I got if I got any of those games for Christmas. I know I got a bunch of them, but so my games ended up being a little bit more new because of that. Sure, I, well, uh, it is part two. Yeah, it is. It is part two. Uh, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I tried to keep it kind of. Uh, there's there's stuff on there from different systems. Like each of my each of mine are from a different system. So I didn't put them on the notes because I didn't want to spoil it, saving it for reactions. So I did I did a separate list of it for me. But it was oh, but yeah, we can. Uh, and I didn't really look. I didn't really look that hard at yours, aside from whether it was repeats from last time. Which I'm glad that I listened to that last episode because half my list was repeats too. Like it was, like, too. It was yep. like almost all the same. And I'm like, well, I should. I shouldn't do the same thing again because, you know, any of you who want to go all the way back to like, you know, episode 100 or whenever, whenever it was, I don't know what the actual episode was that we did where we did our last one. Yeah. Of course it doesn't, of course it doesn't have a number because it's a bonus episode. Yeah. It was, it was posted December 29, 2017, whatever. Look it up if you want to. You can find it on Spotify or through any other app that will go back that far. Some, some uh, podcast apps don't go, don't go back past like, I don't know, like a hundred episodes or something like that. Like I can't go all the way all the way to episode one on my podcast app that I use, but 
regardless, let's get into the list. So my first, so we're this number five, obviously. My first game I'm going to start with is not a game that I got for Christmas, but a game that I didn't get for Christmas. This is one. This is one that I didn't get, and I kind of had a funny story with it. So, this game is Super Star Wars: Return of the Jedi, which actually came out in June of 1994. But I remember, you know, I was big into those games. I, I I rented all of them and played through them multiple times before I owned them, and then I bought them on the cheap way way later in college for like ten dollars each, I think at least or less. But uh, I, I played those games a lot. And uh, Return of the Jedi had just came out, and I played it. You know, I rented every game that I asked for and played it, of course. And I was super into it, and I asked for it for Christmas from everybody. And I was at my sister's house, and, uh, you know, they, they didn't have kids yet. It was just my sister and, and her husband. And, you know, I was looking at looking at the the presents under the tree, and we were playing, like, we were playing one of the Clay, Clay Fighter games. That gives you an idea of the time on Super <laughs> Nintendo. And I found this one. I, I forget what it is. I think I saw... I think I saw Return of the Jedi. Like, it was either out or it was wrapped, and I could tell like that it was a Super Nintendo game. And I was like, "Oh, I was like, oh wow, you got this!" And I thought maybe it was for me, and I accidentally found it. And I was like, "Oh, I was like, oh yeah, that's that's awesome." And he's like, "Yeah, I, I got that for my brother." And I'm like, "Oh, cool." And for some reason, I thought I was going to get it too, since he got it for his brother. But I ne- I didn't get it. I never got it. This is the moral of the story. And I remember like asking for it and seeing it at my brother's house, and I thought that if I hinted it enough between like between like my sister and my mom and all that, that I would eventually get it. And I don't think I got any, I don't think I got a single game that year for Christmas. I didn't get any of them. Like they just didn't get any. Those are the worst Christmases. There was, there was this, uh, there was this whole uh, dry spell of, in, in the super Nintendo times where I just didn't get games for Christmas. They just did not buy them for me. They didn't, I guess they didn't just were like, you played them too much. You don't need them. So you will not get them for Christmas. So yeah, that's that's my number five. It's just one that I think of. If if you ask me like a game that I asked for that I didn't get, that's that one. That was that game. Super Super Star Wars: Return of the Jedi. So yeah. when did you eventually end up getting the game? I think I bought it in college later at GameStop for cheap on, on the cheap, like Had less you than ten dollars. Rented it or gotten a chance to play it before that? Yeah, yeah. No, I I said it. I, I said it earlier. I, I I always rent the games before I before I ask for them. So I had already rented it and played through it. I just wanted to play through it over and over and over again. So I, I bought it later in life. I think I probably bought all three of them at once. Probably somewhere Jeremy and I went to, like a Funko Land or, or GameStop, mm-hmm. something like that. Back when they used to sell Super Nintendo games, so I have it. Yes. I, I mean, I played, I played all of them. I, I did a, I did a charity stream once with all three of them, where I played, or I played all three of them in like three hours because I can crank them out in an hour now. You can beat all of them. I can beat all three of them in three hours. Yeah. Dang. Because you can. Super. It takes like an hour to beat to beat each of them. They're really not that hard if you. If you know how to play it, you can beat it in an hour, for sure. They're all on YouTube. If you go to youtube.com slash Nintendo Made Podcast, you can find my playthroughs of those are up there. And I talked about, and on our other Christmas episode, I talked about the other Super Star Wars game, so we might as well keep it going here. Just a different did, one in the trilogy. So, yeah, back in, back in aught sev- 17, you talked about Star Super Star Wars. I talked about Super Empire Strikes Back, which is like my favorite one of all of it. Back. And there's Half of the game is at Hoth, so it's all snowy and all that stuff. So, yeah, that's my number five. My number five was a game that I really thought I wanted, but once I got it, realized it wasn't. I don't know. I never really. I played it because I didn't have very many games, but it wasn't quite what I was hoping, which was Maximum Carnage in 1994. <laughs> and I had been asking my parents for this game like 
because the kids at school were talking about how like this band Green Jelly's in there. They have like an actual band, and uh, oh yeah, that game's great. And uh, the cartridge is red, and I mean, I just thought, I thought Carnage was freaking cool. I loved his like red and black motif, and I and I always thought Venom was cool. So I was like, Carnage must be like even cooler Venom. <laughs> so yeah, I got that for Christmas, but something notable about it and probably the main reason I'll, re- I'll remember it other than it being, you know, a blood red cartridge was that my parents packaged it in a like gigantic box. It was probably like the size of a, co- like a small coffee table, this huge box. And I'm like, what is that? That was like the big gift that had been under the tree for like a, a, a week or two. And, you know, I was like 12, so I was like not super young, but I still had that logic of bigger is but be- like a bigger gift is a better gift. <laughs> yeah, and like that huge <laughs> box is probably something awesome, and and it was. I mean, I'm not like I said, it ended up not being my like favorite game, but I still I I would buy it again if I if I saw it out and about, probably just to own it again. But you, so you you uh, don't have Maximum Carnage? No, I thought you did. It's really hard. It is really I hard. Used to. I thought you still had it. I don't know what happened to it. I did used to own it, but how uh, far did you get in it? A couple levels in, not very far. Oh, okay, because I know we t- we talked about this on our game achievements but yeah i was curious that that came around yeah. that time i was obsessed with mario paint and i think like i was playing mario paint a lot and then like maximum carnage came out and i was like this is fun but then i just like went back to playing mario paint again mario paint is definitely more rewarding i guess because we were doing <laughs> like we were trying to like make the power rangers like dance around with like the animation and we like had the megazord in the background we made like stamps that had each of their helmets so Maybe I should have mentioned that instead of this one because I played that a lot more. But, uh, <laughs> That's fine. And write music for it too. But uh, yeah, Maximum Carnage was still pretty cool. I think more than anything, I just was like super thrilled that I got you know the exact game I asked for because a lot of the times it's kind of a grab bag. They would like sort of pick out the game they might want to play too. You know. Yeah, sure. But I asked, I kept asking for this game. They got that game for me specifically, and it was fun. Like digging into this giant box full of wadded up newspaper and. You know, it was just a loose cartridge down at the bottom of it, so mm. it's still pretty cool. Yeah, no, no box, just just the cartridge, just the cartridge. Yeah, they bought it secondhand, oh. but it came out that year, so it was still pretty pretty new game. I think I got a. It might have been that year, but I got the I got the Carnage watch. I'm sure I mentioned this before. It like it was like a Carnage watch where you like tilt it and he moves, like the head moves back and forth. And was it was it related to the game? Or it was, was it related just- to the game. Yeah. I think my mom bought it from the comic store that we went to because they had it and got it later. Because I got that. I remember reserving that game and getting it around the time of when my sister got married. That's like I a, think that was a, in the summer. Like a, a series of comics, right? That's what it's based off of. Yeah, it's twelve comics yeah. that go that go across all of the different Spider-Man series that was out at the time, and I have all of them. I, I mean, I bought them later, but I have all the comics, all the, all the Maximum Carnage comics. There's twelve of them. There's like there's the max. There's like Maximum Carnage one and twelve, which was just a series they made up for that. But it goes across like Peter Parker, Spider Man, and Web of Spider Man, Amazing Spider Man, and so on and so forth. So yeah, and it's. I just remember being so intrigued by the title, like as someone who was you know, I would check in on comics. I watched the Spider Man TV show, and that sort of left a certain impression. Uh, the cartoon show. Um, it just seems so different from my impression of Spider-Man that it was like, Oh, blood red. And it's called maximum carnage. And he's got huge teeth. And like, what is this? It looked like some weird thing was just coming in and 
you know, like devouring Spider-Man or something. Mm -hmm. And I thought, this is a very intriguing game, and I want to know more. But then I found out also that it wasn't all that great of a game. It's hard. Uh, One thing I I do want to mention, though. It's hard, but it's good. Yeah, I mentioned the, the hype surrounding it, at least on the playground or whatever, that it had green jelly in it. The reason I was, I remember now the reason why I was excited about that was because I knew the, there's a, a song about the three little pigs that they do. Yeah. Little and, pigs. Uh, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Song. That one. And my, uh, like my cool uncle would play that for me. Like my, uh, my aunt's like husband, she was only like eight years older than me. So like he might as well have been, you know, like an, a bigger, older brother's age. And he like, let me sit in his car, listen to that with the bass one time, the uh, Three Little Pigs song. And I was like, who is this? He's like, this is Green Jelly. So like, that was another reason I was like, well, that cool band is in there. And all you really hear is just like a a MIDI guitar riff, really, at the beginning. And it's not anything too. There's like no vocals. Yeah, there's no no lyrics in any of the songs. Doesn't exactly make them sound badass. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, it seemed pretty badass the first time, and then after that, you're like, this is just the music that plays when you first turn the game on, and then I don't know if like someone in the band was involved in writing the actual like soundtrack to the game, or maybe there was some more going on there than I realized, but I, I just that, remember the like... I the, thought like, they did all... The beginning. I thought they did all the songs, is what I was huh. under the impression of. And and the music is... I think the music's pretty great on that on that game. I so. mean, if, they, if, if one of them like was doing chip tunes back in the day, like... Maybe that'd be worth looking into to see if somebody in the band is still doing video game music or something along those lines, or if it was transcribed from stuff they wrote. That might be a good expect topic when bands were involved in old video games. Yeah. Like I remember um, Red Hot Chili Peppers, they did that one racing game for Super Nintendo. Oh, I never saw that. I mean, I remember. I remember you know what I'm the, talking about Jeremy. I remember the Aerosmith game. Yeah, but, I remember the Aerosmith one. Yeah. I don't remember the Red Hot Chili Pepper. Yeah, they had music on some Super Nintendo, or maybe it was on PlayStation, um, uh, racing game. Anyway, Michael Jackson, Moonwalker. I think there's something there. X back, and even Sonic Three to an extent. There's a Michael Jackson tie to that game soundtrack. But yeah, Maximum Carnage came out '94. Uh, got it that Christmas and uh, left an impression, mostly because of the big box. Uh, according according to Wikipedia. They did. They did write the whole soundtrack, but it was but it was digitized and compressed because of the because of the uh, you know amount of space that you can have mm-hmm. on the Super Nintendo. So they did they did write the soundtrack, but it was but they but the company digitized it after that. So there you go. There was too much carnage to fill yeah. it, all the audio. Computer yeah, there is no carnage in there. Yeah. Okay. They didn't compose it in the sense of from the from the ground up as a video game song. It was live music that they recorded them playing and then digitized. Yeah, but they wrote music for it. Like they wrote, yeah, it says the game soundtrack was written and produced by American rock group Green Jelly. The title theme song appears as the first track on the band's 1994 album, 333 as Carnage Rules. So it is on one of their albums. It says due to limited storage space of the Super Nintendo Genesis cartridges, the soundtrack was, was not recorded as music, but a computerized rendition of the songs. There you go. Additionally, there's an uncredited version of Black Sabbath, The Mob Rules, that appears on the soundtrack. That's Black, mm-hmm. Black Sabbath during the boss battles. They just steal a Black Sabbath song. I guess. That's what it says. I mean, Wikipedia, who knows? But I have this. I mean, I have the soundtrack on my computer. I really like the soundtrack for that game. So it's, uh, yeah, it's one that stuck with me for a long time. I think it's great. So all the songs are great. And there's different, you know, there's different songs depending on what level it is and all that stuff. 
And yeah, it's mostly like butt rock, but it's fun. It's fun butt rock. You know, it's very, it's like, it's like F Zero almost. Like, kind of reminds me a lot of that. Like, F Zero X. Like, kind of that same sort of soundtrack. You don't know much like about guitar riffs. Green Jelly, but they kind of came off as they were like, they didn't take themselves too seriously. They I just like remember just, that Three Little Pigs video was great. Every time that came on, that was like, stop yeah. what you're doing and watch it. Yeah, that's that's all I remember of them too. And of course this game. I remember more of their songs from this game than any album that they had. But, but yeah, they, I mean they had cool like they had cool and uh comic book art and stuff on a lot of their on a lot of their albums. But yeah, uh I think we can move on from that one. What do you yeah. have, John? Well, my number 5 is on a similar theme of bad superhero games. So I went through a Batman phase about 7th grade, 8th grade. Uh, where I was uh, watching the cartoon show every day and I even subscribed to comics. Only comics I've ever subscribed to. Um, and I read Batman novels. There a couple of Batman novels came out mm-hmm. at the time. And mm. uh, so when um, when this uh, new movie came out, Batman Forever, I was all about that. And I needed to get that Batman Forever video game. I don't remember if I got it for Christmas or for my birthday. It might have been my birthday. But... I recall reading GamePro magazine and in their reviews, they gave it like, like threes and 2.5s across the board for all the categories. Yeah. And so it was just a matter of like, I really want a Batman game to play on my Genesis. And so I don't care. I'm going to ask for it anyway. And asked for it, got it. And yeah, uh, it was what it was. That's the best I can say. I don't know. It was like, hold on. Mortal Kombat controls, like fighting game controls in a side scrolling action game and it just didn't work oh i played i played batman forever i I definitely i rented it a few times and it's bad it's just bad it's really bad bad. it doesn't work well at all yeah it's It's also hard too like it's one of those games where you get hit three times and you're dead well it also like you know it let us know the future of loading because i remember on the super nintendo whenever you left the screen they would have that little the bat signal would like come in and say hold on and then you like stop. Really, there was loading in it. There was loading. Yeah, it would wow. lo- it would load after every after every part of the level. So you'd go to the end of the level, and then it'd say, "Hold on." I mean, it wouldn't say it; it would just have text saying, "Hold on." And you had to wait like five seconds, and then the next level would load, and it did it for like every screen. And I was like, "This is terrible." Dumb. So that was part of what I would use to fight people on uh, the PlayStation versus Nintendo sixty four because I'm like, no loading because Batman Forever had loading and it was terrible. So yeah. But yeah, that game that game's awful. I I tried really hard to like it because I loved so many Batman games before that, like the Batman Nintendo game, the Sunsoft one, the yeah, the, the one on the one on NES, the the uh, Batman animated series game on Super Nintendo was really good, and the Batman Returns game on Super Nintendo was really good too. So I was like, Batman Forever has to be good, right? And no, it was not good at all. It was really bad. So it was awful. I remember it being really murky too. Like the graphics were just muddy and dark, like too dark. You can't tell the background from the foreground, that kind of thing. Yeah. And the characters, they were like, they were kind of going for like the Mortal Kombat style where they're like filming characters, but it was all like one color. Like I remember that it was just like blue and like black. There was no different. That's at least the Super Nintendo one. It was like that. It was like really monochromatic, like each of the characters were, and it just did not look right. good. The Genesis one too. Yeah, where like the background was like one color and and shadow, and the characters were like one color and shadow. Like Robin was just like red and like black shadow, and Batman was like blue and black shadow, and it just didn't look good, you know. And I tried really hard to like it, and I just did not like it. 
So, yeah, that's a bad one to get. It's a shame that you wanted a Batman game, and that's the one that you got. Should have right. got. A, I think I really yeah. wanted to get the Adventures of Batman and Robin, and I think the was that on Genesis? I don't remember. Yeah, it's on Genesis, but the one on Super Nintendo is the better one because Super Nintendo is the better one. I think that's the game that I really wanted. I like. Yeah, really wanted it to be as good as that. But yeah. yeah. Well, the Genesis one is like a it's like a two player shoot 'em up Contra style thing. Okay. And which is like. So not Batman, you know, Batman just go around shooting people, but, uh, yeah. And then where's the, where's the super Nintendo was like based around specific episodes and their story. And it's really good. It's really good. I mean, it's hard, hard as hell, but really, really good. Like I still swear by that game, but yeah, forever. is a that's a bad one. It's a rough one. Anything. What is it? Anything with forever in the name was always destined to be bad. Right. Right. <laughs> maybe super, Meat, maybe super meat boy forever will be good, but. Yeah, Duke Nukem and Batman. Not great. All right, moving on to number four. So we're number four. All right, so number four. I think I would talk about the Nintendo sixty four, which is not actually. I mean, that's not actually what it is. The game that I want to talk about that reminds me of Christmas is Mortal Kombat Trilogy for Nintendo sixty four. Because you know, I was uh, I was expecting to get a sixty four for Christmas. So you know, when and I've done this many times. I've done it like probably three or four times in my lifetime. Where you know you're going to get a system for Christmas, so you buy a game for it, and you don't have the system. You just want to have another game when you get it for Christmas. Right. So Mortal Kombat Trilogy, that was the game that I decided to buy ahead of time. Because, quite frankly, it was like the only game I could find that wasn't Super Mario 64. You know, Because there was such a drought on, on 64s and 64 games at the time. And that was the only one I could find everywhere was Mortal Kombat. And I'm like, well, I like Mortal Kombat, so I bought Mortal Kombat Trilogy. And when I ended up getting the 64, and I think we talked about this in a 64-related episode where we talked about launches and stuff like that. But, but yeah, my, my friend, my friend Caleb, he helped me helped me get it because he worked at Kmart and he was able to get set aside 64 for us and all that because it was so hard to find. But I wanted to have another game, and I bought Mortal Kombat Trilogy from Kmart. And yeah, I'm sure I think that game gets a lot of shit, but it was fun. It was fun for me. I just wanted to have Mortal Kombat on 64 and. Is it just the first three Mortal Kombat games, or is it something else? Not even. It's it's not even the games. It's just it's called Mortal Kombat Trilogy, but it, it's basically like Mortal Kombat. Well, it's like Mortal Kombat three, but it has all the characters in the game that were in the previous two games that aren't in Mortal okay. Kombat three. So it's weird. It's like completely deceiving. It doesn't have Mortal Kombat one and two on there at all. You're basically playing Ultimate Mortal Kombat three with more characters. So they added all the guys that weren't in there. So like Johnny uh, Johnny Cage is in there because he because he was dropped in between two and three, and uh, like you know characters that weren't in there. Like uh, there's all the different ninjas looking like how they were before, and um, I think there's codes to put like Goro and Kintaro and stuff on that like that on there. And there was a uh, there was like a couple extra characters that were in there. There was like a there was like another um, there's another ninja that wasn't in any of the other ones, even though I think he showed up later in like some of the more recent 3D Mortal Kombat's but 
Yeah, it was just it was just like let's just throw everybody in the game and it'll be yeah and it, and it'll be like that's the game for for PlayStation at 64 and yeah, it was fine. I mean, I never I got Mortal Kombat 3, but I didn't get Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3. So there was a lot of guys in there that I hadn't played as yet. You know, cuz like all the ninjas and stuff were added in the other one like Ermac and Scorpion and all that stuff who weren't in 3. They were added in that one. So it was kind of like getting a really advanced version of, ult- of of Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 or Mortal Kombat 3 Ultra or whatever it was called at the time. And yeah, it's just one game with a bunch of people in it, which are all the people in there who weren't in the other ones. And there's no like, you can't do like different skins or anything like that. There are like different codes you can do, but it seems like kind of a silly game, but I wanted another game and that's, and I still have it to this day. It's better Is it than the same on PlayStation, or did the PlayStation version actually have all three games? No, none of, none of them had all three games. Like they, nobody had really done. Well, I guess they did. I mean, the only the only collections I had heard of was like the Super Mario All Stars and the Nin- Ninja Gaiden trilogy that had come out here that had like separate games in it. So, so yeah, no, none of them had that. They were all just Mortal Kombat three with any of the characters from the previous games that weren't on there. But the main thing for me was Baraka, because Baraka was only one game, and he was my favorite guy. And you could finally play as him with the with the Mortal Kombat three play style. So he had like you know he had ex- he had like an extra move and combos and stuff, and you know they added him in there. But yeah, that's that's my number four Mortal Kombat trilogy. But another thing, this is kind of a side note for this one, but that that Christmas, you know, I got I got I ended up getting the sixty four and Mario sixty four. And I had some extra money to uh, to buy a game. You know, I had some extra Christmas money to buy a game. And the only other game I could find that was a Mortal Kombat trilogy and Super Mario 64 with Pilot Wing 64. So that's kind of another Christmas game for me. And I'm glad that, that was the only game I could find because it ended up being really, really good. And I would have would have never played it because I was looking for I was looking for Shadows of the Empire, and that was we talked about that one before. That one was hard; couldn't find it anywhere. It was selling for a hundred dollars at GameStop. But yeah, those are like my two big games that I got that weren't the main games of that '96, right? '64 came out '96, yeah. '96, yeah. So that's Christmas of '96 for me. Number four. Well, my number four. Once again, this is a game that I. Okay, well, not once again. This game kind of came as a surprise to me because I wanted to get it, but I was kind of struggling financially at the time. Well, not that I'm not now, but especially was this particular. <laughs> holiday season and uh and so i hadn't even like thought about having this game anytime soon but i did a secret santa actually my current job so this was yeah eight years ago so this would have been the first secret santa or the first holiday party i went to and uh we had done the secret santa because the staff was pretty small at the time and they don't do that anymore but um i got animal crossing newly for the 3ds Nice. Uh, just like, nice. damn, like whoever got, whoever picked me, which I don't know if I ever found out who got it for me, which is the funny part. I had it narrowed down to a couple of people, but they all of them like would say the other person got it. So I don't know. It was kind of, it was weird, but um, yeah, someone, someone got it for me. And uh, I was just really excited because I got to actually play it, you know, fairly soon after it came out. And I had just gotten my 3DS. Not that long before that. So that was really cool. That's a rare, great uh, Secret Santa gift. Yeah. And I and I played that one for quite a while. You know, I got into it for a couple months, but I fell off of it pretty hard. 
yeah, that one was. I mean, that one was the best one before the Switch one. You know, and I know this. Was... Yeah, there's people that still play that. That game's got longevity. I think it's definitely died in popularity since uh, New Horizons, but yeah, it, it still has things in it though that aren't in the new one. Mostly Kappa. Kappa had a huge presence in the 3DS one, and he still mm-hmm. sung songs to you. And you could go to the island. He had a whole family now, and there's a lot of cool stuff you could do with him that you can't do in the new one. So yeah, New New Leaf is still kind of superior in, in a lot of ways to the to the newest one. Unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, the, the newest camp, one feels camp. like it's uh, all the fat cut off of it or whatever. But you've lost some good pieces of meat in the process. Yeah, yeah. It was a Cap'n, and there was another guy that was missing. Brewster's not in there. Well, also uh, Rossetti. So I haven't seen Rover. Yeah, or like yeah. the. I guess I was gonna say like the Tortimer, but I don't think Tortimer's in the in that one because you're you're the mayor in New Leaf. Tortimer's dead, isn't he? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where Tortimer is. <laughs> <laughs> he was pretty old in the GameCube one, so maybe 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 some. Because you're the mayor in a, in a, in that one in New Leaf, yeah. And then one thing I think about that I wish you because in New Leaf you could do stuff, you could do like mayoral stuff, like you could make you could make the the. Uh, shops stay open later you know like if you would rather play at night in the daytime you could do stuff like that that'd be great and i wish you could do that on this other one you know i was like why can't you do that i was holding out for a long time that the the new the nook place was going to upgrade and i was gonna it was gonna stay up later yeah you that was like there were a couple things you could do as mayor and one of them was you could make your town into a late night town where everything would just like stay open way way later than it normally would which was cool but so yeah, that's I, I definitely had that because I wouldn't play it until later. But I I set my switch on uh my switch is on LA time because I did that for for uh, Halloween and I never changed it. So now it's always going to be two hours behind. So I can still so it's easier for me to get to the store of Animal Crossing by doing that. So just change your switch two hours back and you'll be able to do stuff. It's not a bad idea, considering the the way I work. I like usually the shops are closed by the time I get to play in. Yeah, take, put it like three hours back. So when you get off work at 11, it's like eight or something, and you can still go around and do stuff. So. But yeah, the 3DS is a great little system for this game. So yeah, that was cool. And thanks to, once again, whomever, if you're listening, because I don't know who really bought it for me. But yeah, I didn't. In the strange event you do hear this, thank you. Yeah, I didn't know it was through your job. I just remember that Secret Santa that you did like online or something where they sent you a whole bunch of grapefruit or something. Yeah. Well, that's when I first started. <laughs> yeah, that re- I was the Reddit Secret Santa. And I ended up, I did that for three or four years in a row, but I fell off because I don't know, it was just kind of exhausting. I was like, I should put more like more into like getting stuff for people I know because this is fun, but. The whole time you're doing it, you're kind of selfishly hoping you get something really great. Yeah. You know, and like everybody's trying to one-up each other in, in a way, it seems. Which is fine, because then you might get something really cool. But I, uh, like this thing back here, the big mushroom, the crocheted mushroom, I got that from that. So that was the second year I did it. And that was pretty cool. And then uh, first year I got the grapefruit, and then I don't know if the person felt bad or... Maybe the grapefruit wasn't from them and someone else sent me that. And I just never found out who that was. But uh, that was the person that sent me the Game Boy, the Game Boy Pocket, the Game Boy Color, and then like a bunch of random games. Yeah, you got a bunch of Game Boys. And that's when I started collecting Game Boys. So that actually started kind of a dumb but sort of fun 
pocket pocket console collection. Um, I love pocket size consoles. I love little mobile consoles. They're great. So yeah, that was that's my number four. My number four is the game that I'll say solidified my love of the arcade sports genre. It's Wayne Gretzky's 3D Hockey on N64. <laughs> I played that game. This game is fun, yeah. and it's a, it was a great way to to show off the N64, which was just uh, still it was like two months old at the time. I think it's my second. Was it my second N64 game? I'm pretty sure it was. What I loved the most at the time about this game was just how huge the characters were. Like, they just looked massive. And yeah. I'd never seen video game characters that big before. And we had just gotten a, a quote-unquote big screen TV around that time, which was 25 inches. I mean, whoa. See those guys on the giant 25-inch <laughs> screen. You know, it really left an impression. And... um yeah, it was just such a fun game, and that was the first game that I ever actually ended up recording on my VCR. Like, I realized I could hook that 64 through the VCR, yeah. and so I taped a match of Wayne Gretzky's 3D hockey, and, like, this, like, first streamer. cool, of an actual hockey match that I taped, you know, something like that. An- analog but, streaming, you could just, like, hand it out to people in school, like mm-hmm. I used to do. I would be like, here, I filmed myself playing Mystical Ninja, give it a look, it's cool. I did that That's to right. somebody in high school, but yeah. <laughs> the other thing I remember about that game is, well, among other things, the fights were really fun. Like, like when you hit somebody, it felt impactful, and yeah. it, it was like it seemed like a, a actual part of the game versus just sort of a little novelty or something to be thrown in, rematch buttons like on I don't know Blades of Steel or something like that. Um, it felt like you were actually like playing a little fighting game during your hockey game. Um, I loved just the presentation of it. It looked a lot like a real sports game on TV. Mm-hmm. And I remember they even had the the streak on the hockey puck, which was a new thing in the NHL at the time, when you could see the streak behind the, pocket, the hockey puck. Oh, yeah. I thought, well, it's just like, you know, a modern hockey presentation. That was so cool. And at the time, I actually was a little bit in, into hockey. Like, as, as much as I've ever been in, into any sport, I was probably the most into sports around that time when uh, I was living in Detroit and the, the Red Wings were having their, their moment in the mid nineties and they won a couple of championships around that time. So it was just a lot of fun. That game is still just a pick up and play arcade sports. I, I mean, I'd not call it you know a little bit of a masterpiece. It's just so much fun to pick up and play. And, and, and they- I think it set this to- the tone for, for such 3d games to come and they liked it so much that they like re-released it three more times right <laughs> about like i remember there was one of them and but then they kept like re-releasing the same game with the new roster right you remember that yeah. there, there were like it two, the yearly thing it was like two or three sequels on 64 and they were just kind of the same game but with different characters depending on whatever the roster was for the year so but that first one yeah my friend caleb got it and we played a lot of it and it was a lot of fun and there was, was, was a lot of fun wasn't there blood in the in the uh fighting part yeah, mm-hmm. I was just reading. You knocked the guy's helmets off, I think. Yeah, I was just reading on Wikipedia. They said that they originally wanted to have fatalities in there for the fighting, but they took it out last minute. So that would—I I mean, think it might have been a midway game. In it, fact, it Tim Kitzer was yeah. the announcer. Yeah, it, it was. A, it was a midway game. So yeah, it was but, blood hockey before blood hockey. Yeah, they were thinking about doing. 
Yeah, it's uh, published by Atari Games, Midway Games. It says, yeah, here's the cover right here. It says Midway right on it. But yeah, I remember playing the cra- playing the crap out of it, and then I remember rating running the later the later ones, and I'm like, these are the same game, and they just like just kept like just throwing them out again every year. And be like, here's the new one because yeah, it was Kids, 90- that's what they did before DLC. Yeah, because it was like '96 and '98. Well, I mean, you could I guess they still do that now. Yeah, I was gonna say you could blame Madden games for doing the same thing where they kind of yeah. And they did that for years. Like now they've been trying to put like a story mode and stuff in there, but yeah, for a long time it was just like a new roster. But it was a whole you know, but people would pay full price for it just to have all the all the players be in the right spots, you know. So same with the FIFA games and all that. Like I don't think those games have changed for years. I mean I don't play them, but I think for the past however many years they're pretty much the same game. So different different uh, players in different spots. So I also have to mention that as a a showpiece for the first ever four player console. That was a great time to be, you know, how old was I? 14 years old. Yeah. Circled around the TV with four friends playing Wayne Gretzky's 3D hockey. Yeah. And I, I didn't know that much about hockey at the time, aside from a uh, Stanley cup on super Nintendo, but I enjoyed that one as well. I was like, yeah, this is cool. It's a good game. I might want to check that out sometime. Cause I do like hockey games and I've never played like a really arcadey one like that. It's good. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great place to start. Nothing like the NBA Jam, NBA Jam of hockey or whatever. Yeah, you can you can probably. Buy I think it, it is the NBA Jam of hockey. I would call it exactly that. I was gonna say you, you could probably get it for like nothing. Could well, technically, there's NHL hits, which is more branded mm-hmm. like the the See, NBA Jam like, of hockey, like Blitz or something. But I guess Blitz is also a midway game, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. You can buy it for like nine dollars on eBay. Nice. So it's not expensive. There's one. There's one for five, three dollars shipping. So around like eight or nine dollars for just the cartridge. So I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect it. I wouldn't expect to pay more over ten dollars for it. But if you really want to get it, you can get it for next to nothing. So those are. That's number four, right? Let's move on. Let's move on to number three. Okay, so number three, this is a two th- my this is a Christmas memory that I have from the year two thousand and three. Uh, I was uh, this is this is a big one when I was thinking about stuff that I did with Christmas money. For some reason, two thousand three, I ended up getting more Christmas money than I normally do. It was it felt like a significant more um, extra amount, and I took my Christmas money and I bought I bought a Game Boy Advance SP, and I bought. Fire Emblem for Game Boy Advance. I remember you buying that. I was so jealous. Yeah, so I was so that was my big Christmas thing was and and I think that's the best thing I ever bought with Christmas money that I had was I was able to get a system and a game. And I was so like excited about the Game Boy Game Boy Advance SP because for those who don't know, it had a black it had a backlight finally and the original Game Boy Advance did not. So the Game Boy Advance SP basically made any of your games that you couldn't play before you know, playable. So, like that original Castlevania Circle of the Moon that you couldn't do anything with, 
Don't can, forget the you can play it now. battery. That was pretty huge. Oh, yeah, and a rechargeable right. battery and the clamshell, the, the collapsible mm-hmm. just way it was. And I was so It was excited. a very, I don't know, it felt like the first, like, because the Game Boy Advance was cool, but I, the, something about that was the first, like, futuristically, like, handheld, I don't know. It, like it felt like a modern, like, not a not a toy. It felt like yeah. something like your cell phone. Yeah. You remember flip phones? I, were, I, I imagine huge. that must have been part of their marketing hope that they could sell more that way, but it worked. It felt more mature. Yeah. And and it's and it's still really easy for you to carry around. Like, it fits in your pocket really easy because it, like, closes up and it protects the screen, you know? And I just, I like that, the whole clamshell approach for it. But yeah, I was, like, I was so excited. I was, like, because I had this extra Christmas money and I'm, like, I'm like, you know what? I think I have enough to buy a Game Boy. So I was like, so I went to Circuit City. Remember Circuit City? I went there yeah. and I bought right. the Game Boy Advance SP and I bought Fire Emblem with it. And it was so cool. It looked so great. And Fire Emblem, I had never played it before. And that was the fi- the game that made me fall in love with Fire Emblem, which I never There's beat that game. There's two Fire Emblem games on the Game Boy Advance, right? There is. Yeah, there's that and the Sacred Stones. But I think that first one is really, really good. I mean, it's, you know, it's Fire Emblem difficult, but... It started like the love of Fire Emblem, and I I think if anybody can play it, play it on the Wii U because there's you can do save state on on the Wii U of it of the Game Boy Advance game. And I almost I mentioned it before, but I almost played through the whole game. I got so close to beating it, but I fucked up and I forgot to buy new weapons, and my weapons broke, and I couldn't fight any longer. So I kind of screwed myself in that game because I was doing so well, and I was like, ah, I don't need anything else, and I didn't buy anything, and blah blah. But yeah, no, it was such a cool thing to be able to get with Christmas money because that's what I really wanted was a Game Boy Advance SP, and and now I have uh, now I have a couple of them. But Jeremy has more, but they're it's still an incredible system, and it was you know it could play everything at the time. You could play Game Boy Color, Game Boy Regular, you know. I, I never had any inkling to get the SP just because I th- I loved the the wide design of the Game Boy Advance, and but no back but no backlight. Yeah, but I thought it was like chargeable batteries. Yeah, you know, the backlight was an upgrade, but then the form factor was a downgrade, yeah. and so I was like, "Yeah, I don't know." I don't, well, now I, I like the comfortability their, better. People mod their Game Boy Advances with the screen from the Game Boy SP. True, you get the best of both worlds yeah. without the clamshell, which kind of sucks. But if you don't care about that sort of thing, and you can also get a glass screen that you can put on it that helps with the scratching and stuff. Mm-hmm. The one thing that almost made me get the sp was when they came out with the nes edition and i worked at walmart at the time and i walked by oh you got it oh yeah i wanted that that's the one i bought i ended up buying it because i was it was just like you where i was like yeah kept thinking about it and i couldn't like stop obsessing about it and uh mine when i bought my sp i also got it that later that year when the there was like a price drop i think maybe no, I don't know if there was a price drop. It was just because the NES edition came out. But I decided that I was going to quit smoking cigarettes. <laughs> and that was how you're going to pay for it? <laughs> right. And so I said, I'm going to quit smoking cigarettes. So I'm going to save this amount of money in the next month, which would have paid for this thing I'm going to buy now. So I bought it. And then I bought like a pack of cigarettes later that day. Like, <laughs> it was just such dumb, like like a, a little trick I did on myself to, to get it. But I still have that Game Boy Advance. In fact... I've changed the screen out of on it, but it's the same Game Boy Advance otherwise. That's another great thing about the Game Boy the SP is it's really easy to mod. So oh, yeah, just yeah. used to give. It's my favorite handheld of all time. I think anybody that's listened to the show for a while would know that. For sure. In particular, the AGS 101 model. But yeah, for me, number three is something that I don't think I've talked about a lot on the show, but in light of 
a recent new obsession with the games that have come out this year. I know we got this around Christmas, but I don't know for sure that we had it. But I know like that around that Christmas, this is the game we were all playing, and it was Battle of Olympus Mm. on the NES. So this would have been either 91 or 92. I'm not 100% sure. Like At first, I was like, it had to have been 92. But then I thought about some stuff that happened the next year, and I'm like, was that really a year later? It might have been. So let's just say 1992. It makes the most sense. Um, Battle of Olympus is a game that's a lot like, in presentation, it looks a lot like uh, Zelda 2, uh, The Adventure of Link. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a side-scrolling game where you have... Like you can upgrade yourself over time through like, I think it's mainly through collecting money, but you can also go pray to like the different Olympic gods and uh, they'll like upgrade you too and give you special abilities and you get new weapons. So it's definitely got a bit of a Metroidvania feel to it because you can go back and forth to pre- different town like cities in Greece, like Peloponnesus and Athens and, I think you end up on Crete for a little while and you have to fight the Minotaur, you know. It's a fun game about Greek mythology, and I was really into Greek mythology at the time. And we got this game, and the music's really good too. I'm trying to remember who made this game. It was made by I do want I'm actually gonna look it up right now. Okay. Uh, this is a game that I've wanted to buy, and I, for some reason I haven't bought it again. Oh, it's by Broderbund. So I think uh friends of the show Retronauts have talked about this before on their show, like at least briefly about because Broderbund is an interesting got an interesting story behind them. But um, yeah, this is straight up a game ripped out of uh, Greek mythology, and it's pretty fun. But it's also really really hard. And I just remember like my dad was able to beat it, and then I was like, well, I'm gonna have to beat it now because he had beat it. And I never beat this game, but my little brother beat it. My brother is five years younger than me. He beat it when he was like eight or nine. I don't wow. know how he did it, but he did. Well, I mean, it's it's an RPG though, right? Can you level up? Can you like uh, can you grind yeah. until you're yeah? You can stronger? grind a little bit. Yeah, that's the way. This and then the you way. get a password, so it's password save, which is kind of annoying. But I guess in the long term, that's good if you wanted to keep playing the same cartridge without losing your save. You could just use these really, really like crazy long passwords, like something like Kid Icarus or uh, Metroid. Mm-hmm. Is it right around the same time? This game came out in '89, uh, and uh, we got you know it was a few years old by the time we got it. But man, it's a great game. Like I actually think I might try to look it up and buy it. As far as I know, it's never been released on Virtual Console. They did make a Game Boy version of it, and it's pretty much the same game. I think it might be a little bit truncated, but there is a Game Boy version, but I don't think they it was revisited otherwise. Hmm. So it's a cool game. Um, it's got the Nintendo seal of quality, so you know it's good. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, and you're oh, so you're Orpheus. Okay. Well, Orpheus is in Hades. Orpheus is the court musician, uh-huh. and uh, and so yeah, kind of interesting. That I, I didn't realize that's the character. You can like you you name your hero and your heroine at the beginning of the game, and basically that's who you're saving your girlfriend who was kidnapped. So, uh. and this is Helene. That's not what she's called in uh, in Hades, but that's what you do. You go and you 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 uh, you try to save her. But one thing that I thought was really interesting about this game was um, like when you go talk to the gods. Like it took us a while to figure out because we just got the cartridge. 
you know, it was another one of those cases where it was just the the cartridge without an instruction book or anything. We're like, how do you, we get the gods to talk to us? Because you go to their temples, you walk up to them. They're like really big. They're sitting on their throne and they won't talk to you. And then one day we figured out you have to kneel down and then hit the talk button. Then they'll talk to you. Hmm. So you actually Weird. have to kneel to the gods in this game. Oh, yeah. Acknowledge you. Officially. You have to do mm-hmm. it. You have to kneel. It's uh, you can buy it for like twelve dollars on eBay. I looked it up while you're while you're talking. It's uh, not expensive. The NES game. So yeah, you got upgraded weapons, and uh, yeah, you're trying to get down to the underworld and defeat Hades. In fact, I do remember you have to fight uh, Cerebus at one point or Cerberus, and uh, yeah, you fight the Centaur. Uh, you fight a, a Cyclops. It's hard, but. It's got a, a bit of a rudimentary save system, so eventually you can grind through it. Yeah, this would be a fun one to maybe load up on a, an emulator, too. Uh-huh. If I did eventually buy it, I wouldn't feel as bad about emulating it. Check it out. Uh, Battle of Olympus, especially now that everybody's back into being about Greek stuff. It's the, Check out the Battle of Olympus. The prequel to Hades. Yes, super prequel. Yeah. Well, my next one is another game in the uh, action sports genre on the N64. We have mentioned it before on the show, but it is one of my favorite Christmas games. It's WCW versus NWO World Tour. Yep. That was just a fantastic game to get on Christmas morning, you know, mm-hmm. when the you know, you're having like nice peaceful time with your family and Christmas songs are playing, and then you just go down to your basement beat the shit out of someone with a chair. You know, it's just wonderful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the best way to escape uh, your family and to do some power bombs at the same time. That game was another one that was just like, it, it started uh, a whole another corner of the gaming industry with, with uh, 3D wrestling games. Yeah. That's where it all gets traced back to is that game. And Well, there was, there was actually one before WCW versus NWO that was only on PlayStation. By the same company. Oh, which one was that? In my video, my my uh, YouTube video that I did about WCW versus NWO, I have it in there. I don't remember what exactly it's called. It's WCW something. Hmm. But um, yeah, there there was it wasn't the it, it has the same style, but World Tour was better. But yeah, that's did it have four players? I don't think it. I don't think it had four four players yet. But it but it was the same graphics and and that sort of thing. Got it. Got it. Yeah, but that was just a. An amazing Christmas morning. I think I, I want to say that was like my first N64 game where, like, I mean, maybe, maybe Wayne Gretzky kind of qualifies, but my first game where it wasn't like, you know, Nintendo friendly, like, it was just like a quote unquote mature game. You don't think it was rated T. It was a bunch of people beating the shit out of each other. And there, there, and, was, there was blood in it, but just, just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, that was really fun, um, just to get in the ring with the friends, and I can remember many days of of hanging out in the basement with my friends. And it was that was once I got that game, that was always the game to play. That was always the game to throw in, probably until Goldeneye came out, and it all started that Christmas morning. Was that also a four player game? It was, yeah, yeah, nice, yeah, four players. Uh, you know, wrestling. Everybody's gotten like. Like you're in your corner of the ring fighting somebody over here, and then other two people are fighting over there. It's like, and then like you have your own separate little stories going on on the same screen, which then sometimes cross over with one another. Uh, that was something that I remember feeling like well, this is pretty new for a video game. We're all playing together. We we got two different things, multiple things going on, 
at once. And if you're not paying attention to what what's going on with the other people fighting over there, you know, that could be to your disadvantage. And I remember just thinking that was like, this is something altogether new and a very exciting game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, no, it's a, it's still one of my favorites. I like, uh, I played, I played the shit out of it too until, until of course, uh, Revenge and WrestleMania 2000 came out. And, uh, you know, we're still, we still hope for those games in the future wrestling stuff. And supposedly, uh, Kenny Omega of AEW has gathered as many people as he could find from that original Aki development team to do the AEW game. So he's been That's trying, awesome. he's been trying hard to get, to get a, it's not like the full team, but he did have like the, the main guy, the main developer, and like some other people that were involved with those at, at 64 games to try to bring it back. So I'm really, I would just love to have that, that experience one. online. It would be great. Yeah. I mean, I just would love to have, I mean, of course it should be online, but even if it didn't, you know, even if it wasn't online, I'd be happy to just have a good wrestling game, especially at AEW, because that's like what I'm into now. So there's no, they have no games. So I would like that. It could be really fun to play if they brought the, uh, if they brought 64 games to online and, and Nintendo online and you could do for the four player stuff with them. That'd be so cool. Yeah. That even would- if they had to strip out all the WCW branding and everything, just left it a bare bones <laughs> shell of itself. Like change, change, sting, it. change sting yeah. into like crow guy or no, I guess you probably can't use crow. Like what would you, what would you use for his? Yeah. Name? Call him like, call him like bill the wrestler or something. <laughs> yeah. Bill the wrestler. Airy face yeah. man. Yeah. Well, because they were they had to, they had uh, they had ECW guys in that first one, and their names were all changed, and they're also like New Japan Pro wrestlers in that game as well, with their names changed. So it's not like that. Ninja was somebody else. I remember there was yeah. one guy who was just called Ninja. Well, I know, like I think he was somebody else. I know, like right? Sabu was in there from ECW and various others. Yeah, I don't, I don't know all the names, but yeah, they were all. Most of them were actually ones taken from other federations, and they just changed their names. So yeah, that game's a lot of fun. I would love, to, I would love to see it brought back online and all that stuff do you guys mind if we take like a really fast break yeah we do it make a little mini break sure we could take a mini break Yeah, you. <laughs> Subscribe to our Patreon to hear our bonus shows, which happen every month. I'm a tired. Tired of all the big corporate podcasts spoon-feeding you the same old video game news on every single show. Ah, spaghetti. Ah, ravioli. Then expand! <laughs> With Nintendo Main Expansion Pack. It's us talking about old games that were important to us. 
It's us interviewing people that we meet at conventions. And heck, it's live shows from those same conventions. It's basically everything you could want that Nintendo may never made. Here we go! And it's just a buck a month. That's less than a bad indie on the eShop. It's $12 a year, which is less than Nintendo Switch Online. <laughs> Thank you so much for subscribing to our Patreon and supporting Nintendo Domain. Just go to patreon.com slash Nintendo Main Podcast and... Hey, Mario, let go! He's throwing us back to the show! So long, gay Bowser! Ah! Ah! Patreon.com slash Nintendo Main Podcast! Game over! Moving on to number two. So my number two and my number one, I actually couldn't really decide which one was better. So there, let's consider that my number two and number one are the same. They're both one put together. Let's, let's just say that. I didn't want to choose, I didn't want to choose favorites here because both of the stories involve each of you two. So I didn't, I didn't <laughs> couldn't figure out which one, which one to put above. But my number, my number two, let's say my number two, uh, favorite Christmas memory is, uh, looking for the GameCube with Jeremy going on a, going on a GameCube hunt, which, which we did when, uh, cause, uh, I don't, it, it was around Christmas, right? I don't remember when exactly we went. It was because it had to have been that what it came out in September, right? September. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we were looking, but we were it looking had to have been for October yeah. or November because I know it was several weeks before Christmas when we found it. Yeah. Oh, it came out in November. Did it? November 11th, I believe. I mean, it makes that does actually make more sense than September. Yeah, I was like, September sounds like way, way early, way earlier. Yeah, no, you were correct, John. It came out November 8th, November 18th, 2001. Well, time seemed to go by so much slower (laughs) back then. Maybe it was just like right after it came out. Yeah, 2001. It was, uh, you know, it was that, it was that year. We had a, the sadness tour, two thousand one, nine uh, eleven mm-hmm. happened. Like all sorts of stuff happened then. But uh, I had I had asked for the GameCube for Christmas, and it was another one of those things where it was just it was nowhere to be found. And we decided that we were going to go on a hunt. Jeremy and I were going to go on a GameCube hunt, and we went we went like everywhere. We went to like Kay's merchandise, and I think we even went to Kohl's, even though they don't have electric electronics. But we tried anyway to see if they had it and. We had like, you know, we we decided that we were going to start asking for other things because the GameCube wasn't there. Like we'd ask for 32Xs and stuff like that, like just for the fun of it. <laughs> and we, we you know, like we went to so many places, like because we lived in Lincoln. We went to like, I think we went to like Springfield and and uh, Bloomington and probably Champaign as well and just didn't find anything. And eventually we went to Peoria and we found we found the GameCube in uh, at the East Peoria Walmart was where we ended up finding it. And there was two of them. 
and mm-hmm. Jeremy got one. And didn't you didn't you buy it with some money that you got from selling like a voice recorder or something that you got from my old roommate? Do you remember that? Yep. So <laughs> yeah. I uh, not my proudest moment, but Trey's roommate had kind of like vanished. I wasn't paying rent anymore, right? Like he like just vanished. yeah, he he took off. And uh, basically, like it'd been months and months, and no one knew where he was or what was going on with him, and. And so, like, I was like, well, he probably wouldn't mind if I, like, just used his computer. And because uh, <laughs> and it was just sitting there. It was an old computer even at the time. Yeah, I don't think he was but, even using it when he did live there. So I took it back to my dorm room and hooked it up, and I finally could get online and use AIM and stuff, which is, like, the most important thing to me, being able to do the, like, check the, like, IGN and stuff and then uh, do um, AIM and talk to people. So, uh that was cool. Well, I mean, I wrote was writing papers for college on it too. But so, it, it that was already really cool. But then I found the mini. He had a mini disc pl- player and recorder, and this was you know two thousand one. Like it was a fairly new technology at that point. I think it had been out a couple of years. But not thinking much of it, I was like, well, I've always wanted to try one of these things out because you can listen to music like that. You just put on, straight from your computer onto it. You know, like it was really cool. And uh, it was before like MP3 players, I think, were really a thing. So, yeah, long story short, I took that back to my dorm room and I had it for a little while. And then somehow he got a hold of you. I don't remember what happened, but he was like, he said that I could keep the stuff. So once I knew that, I sold it on eBay and I didn't think I would get a whole lot of money for it. And it sold for like close to $200 in 2000. And I guess that same, I bet that thing's worth like a lot of money now. Because people collect those old mini disc player and recorders, mm. they're really popular um, with like technophiles for some reason. I uh, but I sold that, so I like to think that I kind of got my GameCube for free. Pretty much did. Yeah, I remember yeah. You, you got enough money to get it, and after looking for so long, we found two. We found two GameCubes, mm-hmm. and my mom like wired me money or something, or she came and got it. I don't know. Anyway, I found it, and she paid for it. And well, she then, paid for both of them, and then I paid you back. Oh, did she? Okay, yeah, she. I she paid you back, for, and you well, gave, yeah, you gave the money to her. But no, I, I mean, it ended up being my Christmas present, so I didn't give any money to her. But yeah, she was like, "I'll just buy it and just pretend you didn't see it, and then we'll wrap it, and you can have it later." So that that was the idea. But we played, but we played Jeremy's GameCube in the meantime. So that was cool. Mm-hmm. We played that at at our place, and uh, and I think I bought, I think I bought Tony Hawk, like because I did buy what we played the most of. Yeah, I bought I bought Tony Hawk like as like a precursor to getting the GameCube, and I bought that game, and I think I got Smash Brothers with it for Christmas. So, yeah, that was another time where I bought a game ahead of time. But it was just cool that we went on this adventure looking for the GameCube, and we thought like we were sure that we were never going to find one. And then I think you got Smash for Christmas, but we also bought that ahead of time. Or you you might have bought it because we definitely yeah, we played a lot of it. We were playing it right yeah. when it came out. Yeah, we played a bunch, and I remember we rented a uh, Luigi's Mansion because it and came out in a couple of days. It didn't come out with the launch of the GameCube; it was a little later, but it yeah. was before Christmas. Yeah, so yeah, the GameCube that was a big, uh, that was a big Christmas thing. Didn't you also get a Luigi's Mansion, or did you get that later? I can, we we maybe. we we rented it from like yeah. a Blockbuster or Family Video or something like that. Oh, okay, I didn't own it. I didn't own it until I bought it from MGC like a few years ago. Because I didn't want to pay sixty dollars for such a short game for a game that's like maybe ten hours long. I've tried my damnedest to find it because the night we found the GameCube, like, you know, we came back to Lincoln and I like I think I had class the next day or whatever, so I was staying in my dorm room. 
And I went and I wrote on my online journal, which at the time was Diary Land. <laughs> yeah. And I wrote this really long, like surreal kind of like free form, like stream of consciousness storytelling about how we found the, the GameCube. And we were like being really silly. I think it probably especially me at the time, but we were making a big scene about it at the store when we found it. Cause we were like, when we find it, we're going to like yell and scream and be excited about it. And so we did. And of course, you know, the Walmart employees at, in the middle of the night are like, this isn't fun, but whatever. <laughs> they didn't like kick us out or anything. We still were able to buy it. We were just kids, but we bought it. And, uh, I went home that night and yeah, I wrote this really long, um, story and I can't find it. It's gone. I've done everything. I've even gone into the Wayback Machine and tried to look it up. Yeah. Um, some archived like webpage somewhere of that little account I wrote, but it was just really silly. And I wish I had it because it was a very in the moment, like just this like elation that we actually had a GameCube because, yeah, we were really excited about that system and for good reason. Yeah. I mean, I, I lost a bunch of stuff off of, off of Diary Land. Like I was able to. I was able to bring stuff off, and I remember even reading stuff from Diaryland to Jess when we first started dating, because I was able to still access it. But for some reason, I think it all disappeared, and I should have just like saved it because I had so many great stuff on there. I always wanted to like to like just publish a book that was just all my Diaryland entries mm-hmm. from. Uh, I don't remember that website from like two thousand? You don't remember it, or you do? No, I don't. Oh, never it was contemporary it. to uh, Live Journal, so I think a lot of people were using Live Journal. I, lo- I loved Diaryland so much because Diaryland was like no pictures; it was all all text. Unless you mm-hmm. paid extra, unless you paid for Diaryland Gold, you could have you could have pictures on your on your Diaryland. But and the only way people could comment was if they like you had like an external link to a slam book where they would go and they would comment on a separate web page. So be like, sign my guest. It was like sign my guest book, and you. Click that, and then it would go to a different website, and that's where you could comment. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is like ninety nine, like uh, yeah, ninety nine. We were more likely stuff. to just talk to each other about each other's posts on uh, instant messenger. Yeah, Diaryland was awesome. I lo- I love Diaryland. It was one of my favorites, and I would just type out my feelings and sadnesses on that on that website, and yeah. It was, excitements and happinesses, his says. It was the way that we would, yeah, and that people would, and we had like a, you know, like our group of friends. We all, we were all on Diaryland, so it was like that's how, you know, we would we would talk about each other's entries and stuff like that. What a what a place that Diaryland. But yeah, uh, GameCube. Yeah, we found we found the GameCube. We were victorious and we played a lot of it, and still one of my favorite systems. So it's a good Christmas memory for me. So yeah, I'm good on that one. Well, my number two is something that, once again, I mean, it's an amazing game. We played the shit out of it, but there is just this really cool surprise factor. And we didn't get it on Christmas, but we got it right around Christmas. And it was Street Fighter II Turbo on the SNES. This would have been 1993. The game literally came out, I think, at the beginning. I looked it up. I think it was the beginning of December. Yeah. Yeah, it came out in uh, America... Uh, the U.S. release was early December. Hold on, I'm looking at the actual date here. December 10th. And we had it within a couple of weeks of it coming out. Like somebody had bought it, and then I think they sold it to the pawn shop pretty quick after they bought it. But I just remember like my dad surprising me with it similarly to how he did with the NES, where he was like, you know, he was like, hey, you guys need to go to your rooms for a little while. We're like, what? Do we do something wrong? No, just go work on your homework. So we like <laughs> left. And he's like, 
after like five or 10 minutes, he's like, guys, get in here. And we went in and he was playing Street Fighter 2 Turbo. And we didn't even have Street Fighter 2. Like we had rented it a bunch of times, but we never had actually gotten the, the game. So it went from like not having Street Fighter 2 and wishing we actually owned it to all of a sudden we had like the newest the new one, yeah. Street Fighter 2. And I remember just being like floored about that because we never got the games right when they came out. And the major, so, and of course, the major difference between the two of them is uh, Street Fighter Two Turbo characters. has the bosses in there. You can yep. be, uh, yeah, you can be uh, Balrog and uh, and Vega and and, and you can make it play such. a lot faster, which was pretty cool. Yeah, and also the also the Turbo mode. I mean, that's considered mm-hmm. many people consider that to be the best one. And uh, even though I was like the, I like the the Super the Super Street Fighter Two one that came out after that with the extra four guys, but. Mm. With like Cammy and uh, DJ and all that. Yeah, Cammy and DJ and Faylong and all them. But yeah, this was just uh, one of those cases, like I said, of being completely like caught off guard with something that we wanted, but we weren't expecting to get anytime soon. So definitely a fond memory for me thinking about this game. And the one I subsequently played the most out of all of them, you know, this was like, I remember like, because it would show your total number of matches when you played. And I remember we would regularly get this to 99 and it would just like stay at 99. We would just like our cousins would come over to play it. and Like the whole family would be playing it and taking turns. And it would just like be on for like five or six hours straight at a time. So I, I miss I miss that excitement for fighting games. Like it doesn't really seem like people care that much about fighting games anymore. But yeah, I, I mean, did, even my dad, yeah. like at the time that was kind of towards the end of him really playing a lot of video games. And he was going to the arcade learning how to how to use Ryu. And the, and the Jolly Jester in Danville, like learning how to do the Hadouken and stuff with the with the uh, control stick long before we or with the uh, joystick long before we got it on the Super Nintendo. Or I don't think it came out for the Super Nintendo until like late '93. Or no, it would have been yeah late '92 because this one came out in '93. But the arcade came out a lot earlier than that. Yeah, Street Fighter Two Turbo. Pretty cool game. Super cool intro, too. I don't think that intro was in the original Street Fighter 2. Well, it just has the little guy move around, like the little, mm-hmm. that thing, yeah. But in this one, you've got the, the like, like, Ryu's, like, stand there breathing, and then he, I do can No, that's, a, that's that's Super Street Fighter 2, where, where Ryu. That's in Street Fighter 2 Turbo, isn't it? No. Where, where, Ryu, where Ryu's uh, breathing and, and does the Hadouken at the screen, that's Super Street Fighter 2. I thought that was in Street Fighter 2 Turbo as well, but I could be wrong. No, the the Street Fighter Two one had this little like uh, this little icon guy that moved around, but no, yeah, the the, the breathing and all that—that's for the one from the one that has uh, Cami and all that stuff on there. I thought it was a both, and it was in the Street Fighter Two Turbo first. Look it up. It's not. It's. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. It's it's not on there. Oh well, I'm, I'll just believe you. But uh, that was the one. That was the that was my number two because it was a game that got a huge amount of play between like the different generations of the family. And when, when people weren't over hanging out, then we were, it was just me and my brother playing it all the time. And probably for a good six months, that's all we played. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. I mean, it's, it's really good. I remember when the, when those games came out for the virtual console and uh, they, they kind of just like rolled them out like one after another, they did street fighter two and then street fighter two turbo and then super street fighter two. And I bought all of them. I bought all of them, all of them on Wii U. Cause or on Wii, just regular Wii, because uh, 
I love them, and I would play. I would get to just regular two and play that for a while, and then get two turbo, and then the other one. Yeah, yeah. the the Super Nintendo one just has turbo and big letters, and then yep, it, you're right, and then it spins. I'm at it now. Yeah, big letters that it spins. Yeah. So we must have had Super Street Fighter two at some point. I don't remember when we got that one, but this was still probably the one that we played the most. It's a good game. Well, my number two is not really a particular game, but it's an event. The time that I pulled off probably the greatest gift upgrade of my childhood. So for Easter of 1998, it was one of those occasions where I I would get video games for Easter. And so there was always that chance. And for 1998, I didn't get any any video games. I got a bunch of clothes. And I remember I took the clothes up to my room. No fun. Yeah, no fun. So I took the clothes up to my room. And I tried them on, and as I recall, like one or two of the shirts just didn't really fit, and the rest of them I didn't, I didn't like. And I brought them back down to my mom. Said, "Oh, you know, how how'd they fit? How was it?" And I was like, "Oh, you know, it's not really. Yeah, none of them really really worked." And she said, "All right, well, we'll go to the store. We'll return them, and we'll get you some some new shirts and stuff." And when I was at the store, we were returning the clothes and shopping around and I don't know, maybe it was just a day where my mom was like wanting to get on with things or maybe I was being kind of, I don't know, not cooperative or whatever. Wasn't finding any new shirts. And I just kind of brought it up to my mom. Like, you know, there's the electronics boutique around the corner, the other store over there. She's like, all right, just get a video game. (laughs) So (laughs) I managed to change five shirts into a video game, you know, and I got 1080 snowboarding. You did a full 1080 there. I did a full 1080. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that was not only just a momentous occasion for a young man who just got a bunch of clothes, but I thought that was actually a great game. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was really a memorable moment. I remember when I thought 1080 was the best looking game there ever was in, in, in the whole oh, sure. universe. Like I thought 1080 had the best graphics you've ever seen ever. It yeah. I think I was right there with you. And I, and I had, I had fun like just, uh, you know, like just dazzling people with it. I remember I rented it one time at my sister's house at my other sister and uh, her, her boyfriend, I don't know if she husband, whatever at the time he was like blown away by it. He's like, Oh my God, this is the best looking game I've ever seen. So it yeah. was a beautiful game. Yeah. yeah. I remember like you couldn't really see too many jaggies like the N64 yeah. had a lot of jagged edges and it looked smooth and it was so fast too. I think that was part of it. Like yeah. the game was moving so fast that, Maybe some of the defects weren't easy to see. And the, the sensation of going down this gigantic mountain was very real. Like, you felt that mountain was huge. Some of the races were pretty long, too. I don't think they were really quick races. So, Oh, yeah, no, no, they definitely... Yeah, no, 1080 was really fun. And I think a lot of what they did, and this was, you know, you had seen it a lot of times, but they did, they put, like, a picture in the background, you know, and then they, like, stuck, like, 3D stuff, like, behind that, mm-hmm. so... Maybe that's why they made it. We're able to look so good, but yeah, no, I thought it looked great at the time when it came out. It was really a cut above, and then the GameCube one after that was not quite there because of all the SSX games. But but that first one, yeah, it was good. had a had a great soundtrack too. I think I, I think soundtrack I had that. Great. I feel like I had that one, or maybe I didn't. I was gonna say I, th- I feel like I mentioned it last time, but I don't think I did. But yeah, no, it's a it's a great it's a great uh, Christmas game, and it's also a great like winter game because of snow and all that stuff. 
I thought the overall presentation of the game was really cool too. Like instead of having a character select screen, you were just like at the lodge and like Ricky was hanging up in the rafters. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> this guy was over here on the couch. And- then what guys playing pool. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and it's and it's that terrible song that I know you remember the work your body, work your body, work <laughs> yep. your body, work, work your body, work. get down. <laughs> yeah. Then there's the other one with the phone. Oh, remember we had the phone effects. How do you do? Yeah. Yep. No, I, I, yeah, I love that song. I have a yeah. That was that was on another thing that I did. I did. Yeah. I just remember uh, work the work work your body. It was just uh yeah. That's, Song was so so dumb, but so awesome at the same time. Very ravey, housey. Remember the instrumental one? Maybe it was the the, the title screen song. I don't. Yeah, yeah, where it, go, where it goes. Yeah, it's it starts like that. Oh no, here it is. You guys gotta be careful. Or we're gonna get copyrighted here. Right. <laughs> you guys are nailing it. This sounds like it could be in Xenogrit. Oh, come on. The Xenoblade songs are better than this. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah, work your body. No, that, yeah, 1080 is a fun one. That's a good uh, It's a good number two for, for uh, Christmas games. I agree. That game was a lot of fun. And yeah. uh, I think that's one of those games that we rented as a group of friends and played because he said it was the best. It was probably one of the best looking games at the time. Yeah, it was definitely the best snowboarding game at, at the time. I think we didn't even know we liked snowboarding games until that game came out. Mm-hmm. For sure. It was like pre was pre Tony Hawk, right? Yeah. Pre Tony Hawk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, is that all you want to say about that? Yeah, that's it. Number, let's move on to number one. Number one. That was your Easter one, right, John? That was my Easter one. Yep. Yeah. I had one that was just as a comment on the Easter one. One year, I was we used to go to Arizona for Easter to see my grandfather. And uh, my mom bought me Akari Warriors 2 for Easter. And it's like, I don't, re- I don't think I ever asked for this game or even knew <laughs> what it was. And I just got Akari Warriors 2. And it's just become like, it's always been this weird, like, you know, holiday gift for me. And it doesn't, re- it's not even really in my ranking here. I just wanted to mention it just because, like, Akari Warriors 2. And yeah, whenever you died, you could hit A, B, B, A, and you could come back to life. And one of the main reasons that I bought that uh, collection, the SNK 40th anniversary game, the main reason that I got that was because it has the NES version of Akari Warriors 2 on there. 
which was the one that I got for Easter from my mom that was so weird that I played the crap out of. And I always wanted the uh, sound effect to uh, whenever whenever you go to like a whenever you go to like a, a shop in the game, it says in this really bad, you know, it's, it has voice on, on NES. It says break time, but like really, <laughs> really like garbled and compressed. And I always wanted to I cannot find that sound effect anywhere. I tried looking for it online and all that stuff, but. So that's why it's not our break time noise. Yeah. <laughs> I will. When we first started the podcast, I always wanted to have that on there, but I couldn't find it anywhere. I guess I would have to record it myself and then take it out of there. And also, like, I remember when you start the levels, be like, come on, let's fight. But it's like all like garbled and yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. But yeah, that's my, my Easter game. But number one, so my number one, like I said, number one and number two, they're pretty much the same. They're on the same level. There's no division here. But number one, I wanted to mention uh, the time that I waited in line for a Wii, which was actually after the time that John waited in line for a Wii. You had you had a much more bigger version of it. John, I, I don't know. I'm sure you mentioned on the show before that you waited like mm-hmm. two or three days. How many right. days was it for uh, the Wii? It was, I got there on f- Friday and then it came out on Sunday. Wow. So, yeah. yeah I wanted to... That was stems from my failure to be number one in line for the GameCube. I was number two <laughs> in line for the GameCube, and but, I just vowed never again. Yeah. So, but but me you and weren't Jesse and my our friend Mike Wiley. We uh, got in line there. I was gonna say, but you weren't you weren't number one in line for this though. I wasn't number one technically, but as a group, we were number one. <laughs> yeah. Technically, I was number two again. If you want to really yeah. rub it in. <laughs> yeah. But no, I remember you guys did that, and I remember coming to visit you, and I didn't have I didn't have the money to get it. You know, and I was just like, well, I'll wait and I'll ask for it for Christmas. And then it ended up being like gone everywhere. And, you know, mm-hmm. we a friend, mutual friend of ours, Otis, worked at that Best Buy there. Mm-hmm. And I remember right. he told uh, – I think he told me or he told you and you told me something like that. But there was going to be another shipment after, like, you guys were doing it. And I had just done – I had just worked on a student movie thing, I think, with Darren and Jessica. But I had just, I had just done a movie thing. I just got off and I drove by – Best Buy because it was like on the way home and I saw that there was like no line and I'm like shit I'm gonna go wait in line so I, so I wait in line and I had like a joint bank account with my mom at the time and I was like hey uh, I'm in line for the Wii right now and I think I'm gonna get it do you want to just like throw me money for Christmas and then I'll give it to you and you can wrap it whatever this is the last system that I got for Christmas by the way <laughs> out of out of all the Nintendo systems wow. this was I guess you could buy them for yourself nowadays yeah that was the last one that I got well because the Wii U I bought that the Switch I bought that you know blah blah and the PS3, PS4, whatever, I bought all that stuff. Okay, so so I saw, I was driving back, I saw this line, and I was like, I, it doesn't look that long, I can get in there. And I think I, I might have like gone home and dropped something off and then came back, and the line was a little bit longer, but I'm like, I think I can do it. So I like, I went and I stood in line, you know, and you know, standing in line with anybody, which is a kind of another thing I, I miss before the COVID thing, you know, you become friends with everybody in the line. Like I'm sure when you were there, John, you knew your friends that were there, but you probably knew everybody else that was in the line too at some point. Oh yeah. We were playing games at one point. I remember we played apples to apples. Yeah. I remember that too. Game. Yeah. Well also like, uh, cause even when I was just waiting in line for the Mr. Game and watch Amiibo at us at, at GameStop. Like I did that one time and I made friends with the people in the line there because we're all just like waiting for the same thing. So we obviously have something to talk about, but I remember I was talking to all these guys, all these people in line, you know, I think I might've brought my, bought my 3DS and we probably like played whatever we had on there. What's the actually 3DS probably wasn't out yet. I brought my regular DS and we played whatever game you could play on there. And it was, you know, we had all this, you know, we had all this bonding and stuff. And at one point somebody came out and they're like, okay, so we only have, 
we only have like 11 Wii's or something like that. They gave out a number and I'm like, and I'm counting down. I'm like looking at all the people in front of me and I'm like, I'm like, shit, you know what? I think I'm, this is what I said to myself. I didn't tell anybody. And I was here by myself too. And I'm like, I'm like, shit, I, I don't think, I don't think I'm going to get one. I think 11's going to be in front of me, you know, and then I'm going to be, and I'm not going to get it after that. And they went and they counted a couple times. And the first time made it sound like I had it, but I'm like, you know what? I don't think I did. But, you know, there were some people that were couples that were only getting one, you know? So mm-hmm. right. the counting was always different. And basically what happened was they did the final count. They're like, okay, we only have this much. We're going to count down. And these are the people who are going to get one. So they go and they count down the way. And there was one that I knew was a couple because we'd been talking. And they counted them twice. And it was basically going to end. There were these two guys in front of me. And it was going to end at one of them. And it was really sweet. Like this guy, I think they were roommates. And this guy was like, you know what, man? I know you want it more than I do. So I'm going to step out of the line. He's like, I'm, he's like, I'm going to leave. Or I'm, I'm, he's like, I'm not going to get one. I want you to have one. So I'm going to, I'm just going to not get it just to make sure that you have it. Oh, that was nice. Yeah. For and, you, for a total stranger. Well, no, it wasn't for me. It was for his roommate, this guy in front for of me. For his roommate. Got it. Okay. Because he, because the count was wrong. The count was off. And he thought, that only one of them was going to get the Wii. And he's like, oh, I'm going to give it to you, and I'm just going to leave the line, you know, and that's what's going to happen. And because he left the line for his roommate, I ended up getting the last one. But I wouldn't have got the last one if he wouldn't have left. So I don't remember his name, mm-hmm. but thanks, random dude, for getting out of the line. Because it was one of the things they mis- they miscounted, and I didn't tell anybody because I didn't want to be like, well, you guys are actually going to both get it. But, you know, because I wanted to get one too. But I ended up being the final one in the line. And I felt really, and I felt really cool. And I went in there and we finally, we went in, it was like, you know, it was like going to like Disney World or something. There's like the magic of Best Buy. And, you know, they lead you through, oh, yeah. you know, they lead you through the yeah, line yep. and they show you the stuff and they're like, what do you want? And, and I remember I that exact same setup. Yeah. yeah. And there was this was guy, like- there was this guy that I was talking in the line. He like talked about how much he loves strategy guides and he was in front of me. He went through and he got, bre- he got a Twilight Princess and he got the Twilight Princess strategy guide. And it was like, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, and give me that. And and, it, and he got all that stuff. And I was like, yes, I got it. And I think I bought yeah. – no, it wasn't from there. But uh, I got the Wii. You know, I got I gave it to my mom, so I didn't get to play it. But I also ended up trading, like, whatever games I had that were worth anything to buy Twilight Princess. And that was the game that I bought before for the Wii. Because I think I played it on your Wii, maybe. Or no, maybe you, you already did. had it. But You came over that – evening or not that evening because i pretty much slept all day now remember i got back home at like seven in the morning and then i went to sleep i didn't want to even play anything because i was just so tired uh went to sleep and then i played it and then i invited you guys over around like maybe seven or eight o'clock that Mm. evening and you were playing i think we did um we did twilight princess i remember some monkey ball yeah Monkey Ball was a launch title, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Well, I ended up that that Christmas. I got the Wii, obviously, because I waited in line for it, and then I gave it to my mom, and she wrapped it. And also, I got a. Uh, I ended up getting Super Monkey Ball, Banana Blitz, and Marvel Ultimate Alliance One. And then I bought Zelda on my own by by selling my games, which I don't. Which I probably sold games I never wanted to sell, but you know, it's what you do when you have no money. But I traded games into in for that one. And I think maybe you didn't have it when you got the Wii and I brought it over there and you played it. Because I remember watching, I think I watched you play the whole the whole first like dungeon. Or maybe you watched me play it. Because I thought maybe you had played it before. Because you told me, because there's that whole weird part with like, 
with the cat where you have to like catch the fish and like hang it in front of the cat. Do you remember that? Before you even get to the dungeon. The whole very beginning of the Twilight Princess is super like it's bad almost. It, it's like not really it's it's hard to figure out where you're going. Like it's it doesn't like really through the castle and yeah. What well, it, it has a really rocky start is what I'm saying. It's not like it's not smooth. You're not like right into action. You have to like there's all this like world building shit. You gotta like wrestle some of the you gotta wrestle the the bulls and all that stuff before you get there. You're on the farm, right? Yeah, there's a bunch of shit you have to do on the farm Link's before you got actually that get dump, to the dump truck booty. At the beginning, <laughs> he's got a dump truck booty. <laughs> yeah. Link does at the beginning before he like gets <laughs> his new costume. Yeah, I remember when we because uh, when I was so excited for Breath of the Wild, I was playing I was playing uh, the other one, the Skyward Sword, and I'm like. I was like, there's been three Legend of Zelda's in a row where Link starts out in a different outfit that's not the green tunic. And I'm just tired of it. <laughs> and it's you, like, walking around in your own town. They did that, mm-hmm. like, for... It was like Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, and Skyward Sword all have the same fucking beginning. Like, where he's in some town, wearing some other outfit, and he's not the hero. And you gotta have to go through all this fucking bullshit before you actually get to the regular thing. But I think Twilight Princess was the worst. Like, it has, like, one of the worst beginnings ever. But yeah, there's a part where you have to like catch a fish and hang a fish in front of a cat to get a cat to go to another thing, to get another thing to go to the whatever. But yeah, that's my number one. It's uh, waiting in line for the Wii just because it was a fun experience. And I, you know, apologies to everyone who was behind me, but it was really nice to be able to get that, to be like, ah, I got, got the Wii, you know. For quite a while, the only way I knew anything about the Wii was through Trey because I couldn't afford it. And my friend, my roommate and friend, was trying to get it, but it took him like several months to find one after the holidays. So once he did, we had the Wii, but it was probably three or four months after the fact. Yeah, and I and I remember bringing it to your to your apartment wherever you were at, Jeremy, at the time, and mm-hmm. and we played like you know bowling and all that stuff. I was like, hey, check it out. I think it was on my way back from my mom's house, like after Christmas. I brought it over yeah, there, and we all it felt pretty it. damn futuristic. But there's like two there's like two systems in a row that were involved with both of you guys, like. Uh, you know, well, I remember visiting John while he was waiting in front of the Best Buy, but then I got on the second run when they were, you know, when I caught rumor that there was more. And then, yeah, both of those systems, GameCube and Wii, was with both of you guys. So, pretty cool. I want to elaborate more on the actual experience of going into the store, just because it happens that we went to the same store, they had the same setup and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, Especially after as long as I waited for, you know, from Friday to to, to Sunday to finally go inside the store, <laughs> and then to see like, oh, they had not just it was not just like you know go to the shelf and get it or whatever, they had a whole setup, a whole like you know roped off aisle where yeah. you were only to go this way. Not only that, but you had someone walking with you, kind of guiding you along the whole way. And like you had a ticket, like you said, I still have my ticket, by the way, Mm. you pick up, there was a bunch of systems stacked on the table. You grab whichever, you know, system. And there was all of the games laid out, the options that you could pick. And it was, you just, it just felt like a, like a Royal reception or something like you you made it. uh, I made it. Yes. Here it is. Like a uh, high priced fundraiser or something. Mm. Yeah. Because you literally were paying hundreds of dollars to be there. Yeah, I think I spent yeah. <laughs> $430 that day. Because you yep. got to get extra controllers and stuff, right? Right. Well, I mean, and even like, a, well, 
not this Black Friday, but the last Black Friday we went to, it was, you know, where they have, they have parts of the store, like, closed off, and you just go through a line, and then you get to, like, where all the items are and stuff. And they had a similar, I mean, the last game, you know, game system release I remember is the Switch, you know, we, uh, we were able to reserve it online, so we didn't have to wait in line for it, but I think I did just because, and I remember, yeah, we went through, Jess and I, we went to like a midnight, we went to like the, we found like one of the closest Best Buy that was doing a midnight release for the Switch so we could get it early. And we went in there and they like took us through the line. And then there was like the, um, there, there's like, yeah, there's the, the like deluxe version of Breath of the Wild and like, you know, any other games that you want for it. And I didn't get, was it, I went, I went and got the Wii U Breath of the Wild and I bought the Switch and no Switch games. And I remember doing that like going through the whole thing and it's just I kind of miss that stuff. I mean, you know, they, we don't do that anymore with COVID, but yeah, where it's like you you are the winner. And I did I did that many times for for Amiibo as well in the future, but yeah, you get to go through get through all the shit. The other thing I have to mention is that it because it came out 2 days after the PS3, everybody like the day I got in line to, for the Wii was was the like the moment that the PS3 was released, and so everyone was like, "You're late, man. You're late." No, like, no, I'm really fucking early. <laughs> no, I remember that. I remember cars driving by and being like, "What are you waiting for?" And it's like the Wii, and they're like, "Fuck that," you know, because nobody knew what it was. You know, that's your babies. Yeah, <laughs> it comes with a rattle. Yeah, <laughs> but I remember people like yeah yelling stuff at you guys for waiting in the. Now, yep. now, now, now that uh, Best Buy has a cop that hangs out that hangs out in front of it like 24 hours a day, and all the windows are boarded up, so that's uh, that's what's become of the North Avenue Best Buy because it did get it did get looted that one time. Yeah, it got raided. Yeah, yep. yeah. So, well, because we go in there, uh, we go to the Epic Burger over there sometimes to pick up food to bring to people, and there's always there's always a cop car by that Best Buy, and the windows are boarded up. So, it's a different time now, I guess, than it was then, but. Yeah, I don't even know. I can't even tell if it's open, even if we're there at like seven o'clock. I'm sure they put it up after they got raided, and they were just like, you know what, let's keep it up for the time being. Yeah. You know, I think I think that's because we were trying to figure out if it was like an area for cops to just hang out or something. But we're like, well, yeah, maybe they're just there because of that one time, you know. So whatever, but yeah, that's that Best Buy. But that's my number one. I'm I'm good on that. All right. Well. My number one is a great segue from that because it is Twilight Princess. There you go. And you got but the this, better you got the better was, one. Yeah. Yeah. This is the GameCube version. Um so the technicality of this game is that it was not my game. I bought it, but I bought it as a gift for my kid siblings. Well, all my siblings, everybody's younger than me. So basically I bought it for all my younger siblings, mainly my brothers. Well, mainly my uh brother, Will and Maybe my sisters, if they wanted to play it, which I, I think they did a little bit. But yeah, I bought it on GameCube because I didn't even have a GameCube at the time myself. And uh, my family had one and I could have bought it for the Wii and played it at my house. Well, no, I couldn't have because we didn't have the, the Wii yet. So I had no way to play it. I didn't even have a GameCube. I bought it to give to my family as also a gift to myself, which... Ended up being for like the next month or so when I would go hang out with them, I would literally just play this game. Like I'd be like talking to them, but I'd be like, "Yeah, okay, okay." But that's like probably the first time some of my yeah family heard me like swearing and stuff because <laughs> I got pretty pissed at a few like of the a few in a few of the little temples and stuff. But yeah, I played all the way through that game on the GameCube, and I um, I've never beaten it since. But 
I just remember like thinking like, well, it's coming out for both systems, but I love the GameCube and I don't know how long before I'll have a Wii. So I opted for the GameCube version and for a little while there that it was kind of rare, I guess, or maybe it was artificial scarcity, but before it got re-released on the Wii U in the, uh, you know, Twilight Princess HD version, it was kind of expensive to find a, a GameCube version. So you're paying like 60 bucks for a disc only, I think for, for a while. Yeah, I think I think it, yeah, may, like you're saying, yeah, maybe it was artificial, but I think it had a more limited release. So I've still never actually played this game all the way through with motion controls, um, and I think some of the stuff is probably a anything. lot harder without the motion <laughs> controls. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, I played through because I, I I always felt like it was the worst decision I ever did was to buy the buy not buy the GameCube version of uh, Twilight Princess. And I felt the same way about Breath of the Wild, where I was like, I have to get, I was like, I have to get the Wii U one because it'll end up being the good one, just like the GameCube one. Mm-hmm. And I never did play through the GameCube one, but the Twilight Princess on Wii U was like modeled after the GameCube. It was like an HD mm-hmm. upresing of the GameCube version. So I feel like since I played through most of that, I did play through the GameCube one. But I don't think it's that much different without without using the. I guess I guess probably some of the like shooting games or whatever easier with the with the with the aim control. But yeah, that was an incredible game, and you know anybody that was following this game remembers the the reveal of it was at E three two thousand three when uh four. Where like was it two thousand four where they were like yep. and also you know people are so upset about the Wind Waker being like such a drastic like uh, deviation from what they hoped the style would be. They're like, this is the realistic Zelda game on the GameCube. And so we saw a little bit of Twilight Princess back then. And then, you know, it just had a lot of hype and it felt pretty next generation when it came out. Everyone was comparing it to Lord of the Rings. They're yeah. like, it's like Zelda styled after Lord of the Rings. Well, you can see the Lord of the Rings influence. I remember early on hearing it was like Beastmaster because you were like. Oh, yeah, because you talked to all the animals. Uh huh. Yeah. It was like, if, and you were, like you were an animal. Well, mm-hmm. and like, yeah, coming out the same time as Okami and all that and having the wolf connections and, and also, what was it? What was that? Um, what is that? It was like, it was also compared to that 80s movie, Lady Hawk. Yeah, Beastmaster. <laughs> no, no. Oh, Lady Hawk. Lady, Lady Hawk, yeah. yeah. Where like, the, so those are both 80s movies. Yeah, where you like changed, or that character changed into a different beast depending on the time mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. No, that's a great movie. But, uh, this game was really cool to have on the GameCube because here it was like the, tail tail end of the gamecube's life just like a swan song really it's the last great game on the gamecube i I think and uh as far as like being a triple a big studio big budget game just kind of like show the gamecube had what it took to run a really great zelda game just like the wii u proved with skyward sword the wii u didn't have a chance to really flex its muscles it probably could have done like way better than it did. The but, GameCube yeah. had two really great and really different looking Zelda games. Is yeah. that the last time that happened? Yeah, because like on the N sixty four, it was two. There were two, but they were stylistically the same. And same with the DS. Yeah, they were both the same. They're in the like same engine. engine. Yeah, which uh, I mean, Twilight Princess might have used a little bit of the engine of the Wind Waker, but yeah, the the mm. look was well, it used the extra different. dungeons. Yeah, yeah. I know that. Yeah, Wind Waker was kind of rushed to release or whatever, and there were like dungeons that were sacrificed that got put into Twilight Princess, which by comparison, Twilight Princess was gigantic compared to Wind Waker, even though it had the giant open ocean. 
in Twilight Princess, you had a big like open world kind of, not really, but it felt that way with the, how they sectioned it off and stuff. But yeah, Twilight Princess is a weird ass game, and even now, like I'm like, how did I get all the way through that? Like, I think it just was such a new and exciting thing at the time, and and it was like every time I'd go visit my family, I'd go visit them every week or every couple of weeks, and like I really looked forward to like the next installment of Zelda and like my brother would sit, be sitting there with me hanging out while I was playing it. And <laughs> you, it was you, fun. You'd go there to play parts of it. Well, yeah, I'd hang out and then I'd play it for like an hour or two. And then, and so yeah, over the span of a few months, I finished it. It's probably what, like a 30, 40 hour game. It's long. I, I th- I've thought that I spent almost a hundred hours on it. it. It has the most, I thought it had the most amount of uh, dungeons of any of the Zelda games. Yeah, I, I think it. I ended up spending around 120 hours. Yeah, I took I, my time with it. I, I was close to 100 on it, if not above 100. Like it was really long. Twilight. Was. I'd have to look. I mean, it's probably still on my GameCube memory card. But uh, yeah, number one was Twilight Princess. Like this game was a nice bookend to the the GameCube, which was another, as Trey explained earlier, like a nice holiday memory for me. And uh, seeing it go out with Twilight Princess was a pretty nice way to to see it go out. And who knows? Maybe they'll do the same thing with uh, this next Breath of the Wild <laughs> for game. Switch Two. It'll be Switch like the Pro Switch and the Switch Pro kind of difference, and people are going to be like, "Well, it's way better on the Switch Pro, but guess you could play it on the Switch." <laughs> yeah, but it won't be like such a difference in controls, you know? Because mm-hmm. yeah, playing both of them, you realize that it was made for the GameCube. Like it was supposed to be played with a controller, not with a not with a Wiimote. So, which you kind of get that feeling with Breath of the Wild, like. They meant for you to use the gamepad to select on the map where you were going to warp and stuff. And well, it was going to be better. Yeah, it was going to be way better on Bre- on the Wii they U one. Cause, the, yeah, they were going to use the touchscreen to like do the magnesis and all that. Yeah, it really, really bummed me out that they took out all the great stuff that was supposed to be on the Wii just because they didn't want they didn't want to do it again. They didn't want people to know that the Wii U was the superior version because they were going to give you all the like. Like you could do on Wind Waker HD or Twilight Princess, where you could change all of your all of your items and stuff like through mm-hmm. the touchscreen. They were going to let you do that and have the map on the touchscreen. They took all of that out, like just to try to push sales for the Switch version. And I was so mad about that. I was like, "Come on, dude! It was going to be so cool where you could just like tap on where you're going and it would show up in the whatever." It never the the Wii U version of of it of Breath of the Wild never really got what it was supposed to be. It would have been a better game if they would have let it be that. Mm-hmm. It would have come out like two uh, two years before like it was supposed to. Uh, yeah, when it was a delayed. But yeah, that's my number one at the moment. That was 2006. My number one is actually going to be the same as it was uh, the last time we did this. Uh, but I'm going to elaborate on it a little bit more. So my number one is getting the NES for Christmas of 1988. Um, so a little bit about me. So I'm Polish. Uh, my, my family's... You know, my grandparents were from Poland, and so at Christmas time, the tr- tradition is you celebrate Vigilia, and Vigilia is Christmas Eve. And for Vigilia, there's a way to go about it. We always, you wait till the first star shows up in the sky, and that's when you can eat dinner. You have to eat after dark. And you have, um, we do the Christmas gifts and everything afterward. We do songs and we sing Polish Christmas carols and there's just a lot of great memories tied around Vigilia. It's a very big moment for our family. And probably the best moment 
is always when we, before dinner, we have a reading from the Bible and then we pass around what's called a platic. A platic is like a, like a thin uh, wafer, uh, almost like, imagine like, like at church you have a communion yeah. wafer, right? But on each sheet, I'm not sure if it's always this way, but it always was in our family. It's like an elaborate embossed design of the nativity, like a nice, it's almost like a picture, mm. right? And you break it apart and um, I take a big giant piece and everybody takes a big piece of it. You go around with your big piece of the aplatic and you offer your piece to the other people around the table. And at the same time, you always say something kind about that person. What do you love about them? What did they do for you that year? What do you appreciate about them? And uh, it always just creates really nice, like really memorable moments. And now as we get older, like every year we inevitably, everybody cries. You just say like really nice personable things, personal things. And um, for Christmas of 1988, that's when um, my uncle decided to get us the NES for Christmas. And it was just like, you know, he, he wasn't there for, for that Christmas, but he would, he sent the gift over and it was just like this amazing expensive at the time present. I, I, I want to say at the time he was maybe how old would he have been? Maybe 30 years old, maybe 29. And to get this nice expensive gift for the family was this, it was unexpected and it had a long lasting impact. I mean, like I'm, I think about it now I'm here talking to you guys because my uncle decided to get me the NES for Christmas in 1988. Mm. And I have, you know, throughout the years, I, he later came and moved back to Michigan and like we, we saw each other more often. And I, I was thinking about it earlier this week. I'm like, did I ever explain to uncle Henry that the NES was such an important gift to me that he gave me. And I'm pretty sure I did. I don't have an exact memory of it, but I have a feeling like I, I did tell him at one point that, you know, that gift of the Nintendo, you know, now I love Nintendo and, you know, it's set me on a certain course in life. And so I've really been thinking about that this past, this past week. And so I want to just say, like that that's always the best kind of gift, I think. When you can give a gift that has such a meaning. And like I said, it was a an expensive gift at the time. I don't know if he thought at the time that it would be yeah. such a bonding gift for, for us. You know, my you know, my sisters played it and my family we had many family nights playing the NES and yeah, I d I don't know, I just just want to say thank you to my Uncle Henry for getting us the NES Christmas nineteen eighty eight. It, it was probably the greatest Christmas gift that I've ever been given. Yeah, he he had no idea how uh, at that time probably didn't know like how big an NES would be or just how how well it would help people uh, you know bond over that. Like video games were so were so much in their infancy at that time, and yeah, I, mean, I had a feeling yeah. he might have known to some extent if he was that young that he was like maybe he was on the cusp, plugged into sure. what. So plugged in what was cool with technology and yeah. what kids liked, and probably he liked video games himself, and had sort of an insider knowledge in that regard too. Sure. 
Thank you, Henry. Yeah, thank you for uh, eventually corralling our friend John our way. Into into the <laughs> Nintendo world, yeah, yeah. And many inspirations from then, like the, with all the many, all the new versions of Nintendo and all that stuff that came out. That's right. So, thank you. And that's all of our top five, right? That's that's yeah. the end? That's, that's the, the end, end of our Christmas episode here? Holiday episode? Happy Merry? Whatever you want to call it. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening to us. Uh, you know where to find us. You can find us at Nintendo Made Podcast at, or, uh, you can email us at Nintendo Made Podcast at gmail.com or you can go to Nintendo Made Podcast.com, YouTube.com slash Nintendo Made Podcast, blah, 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 Twitch.tv slash Nintendo Made Podcast. Just look up the name. You'll find it wherever. And, uh, you know, Patreon. You can throw us some dough if you want and hear some bonus episodes and all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, have a good, have a good holiday and all that stuff. Hope it's still going all right. You know, everything's weird right now with the, with the COVID. You know, don't travel. You know, it's probably best not to Just keep it at home. Stay safe. Next, next Christmas, we can go, go all out and celebrate all the holidays at once or something. But stay safe and all that. And we will, we will do the same. And thanks for listening. Uh, we've been your hosts. I'm Trey Johnson. I'm Jeremy Mikowski. John Nitter. And, uh, thanks again. We'll see you next time. See ya.